And this morning, the title of my sermon is simply Joy. Now, I can tell you, I promise you, it'll be a short, simple sermon with the Lord's deepest thoughts to ponder. And my text is the first epistle of Peter, chapter 1, verses 2 to 16. should be printed behind me in the New King James. Not there yet. Okay. And uh, you can tell by the, the length of the text that I'm going to be here preaching for about an hour and a half, and we'll see how we can get through that. In any event, you know that I look to an anointing of my words. And you should pray with me, Psalm 1914, because I am taking my words from I presume to be God's thoughts. And you should pray that the thoughts of God are in fact in the words that I say, because it's important to you. So let us pray in the spirit of Psalm 1914. So dear Lord, this morning let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen? Let's take a quick look and read our text, just so we have everything in one place instead of me breaking it up in the sermon. Verse number one begins to the, and then I forget the balance of that verse because I want to go to two. To the elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Verses three to five. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Verses 6 through 9. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, You have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith be much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls." We skip verses 10 to 12. They're not referred to in my sermon, 13 to 16. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ and as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Amen? Amen. You know, there is something that we all do, whether we are little babies or senior adults, that doctors tell us is such good medicine that it relieves stress, can cure headaches, fight infections, and even alleviate hypertension. In fact, when we engage in this activity, there are well-documented physical effects, many of them which are akin to exercise. 
Muscles in the abdomen, chest, shoulders, and elsewhere, they contract. Heart rate and blood pressure increase. In one burst of this activity, I love a child speaking in tongues. We just needed an interpreter. Amen. In one burst of this activity, the pulse doubles from 120, or from 60 to 120, and the systolic pressure can shoot from a normal 120 to 200. But once we stop this activity, heartbeat and blood pressure dip below normal, which is a sign of reduced tension, stress. Now, what this physiologically beneficial activity is, is laughing. Laughter is good for you, and laughter is healthy. You know, Solomon knew that. He said in Proverbs 17.22, A merry heart does good like medicine. But as you know, we don't always feel like laughing. The reason we laugh, generally speaking, is because something makes us happy. But we don't always laugh because we are not always happy. But there is a delight, a gladness of heart, a rapture in the soul that goes above and beyond happiness. It's called joy. Now, there is a tremendous difference between joy and happiness. You cannot be happy without being joyful. You can be joyful without being happy. See, happiness is external and joy is internal. Happiness depends on outward circumstances and joy depends on inward character. And happiness depends on what happens to you. Joy depends upon who lives within you. Happiness is based on chance. Joy is based, cho- joy is based on choice. The word happiness comes from an old English word, hap, which literally means chance. You see, if things happen the way we want them to happen, then we are happy. But if they don't happen the way we want them to happen, then we are unhappy. You can see that happiness is temporary and fickle, and joy is permanent and settled. You know, one of the greatest and most attractive qualities both a church and a Christian can have is joy. And I want our church to be known as the gathering of joy, because I want people to find joy when they come into this church. You know, Dr. Vance once said, Vance Havner once said, the man of the world is not laughing at Christians who get happy over being saved. Half so much as he is disgusted with us big church folks who are showing no evidence of a dynamic, transforming experience that makes us love what we once hated and hate what once we loved. And unfortunately, the world has caricatured Christians as being primarily purveyors of doom and gloom, prophets of sadness and sorrow who condemn any fun as sin. In fact, I came across a definition of a Puritan, and that is a person who suffers from an overwhelming dread that somewhere, sometime, somehow, someone may be enjoying himself. Well, I want you to know that Christianity is to be nothing less than a festival of joy. 
C.S. Lewis said, joy is the serious business of heaven. You know, we should be in joy and we should enjoy joy all the time. The words joy and joyful are recorded in the Bible 250 times. And the word rejoice is used 200 times in the Bible. We are exposed to joy and rejoice 450 times in the word of God. You know, we should so rejoice that we can rejoice over our rejoicing. If you got, got around at all, you're going to be full of joy because, as I said before, Psalm 1611 states, in his presence is fullness of joy. In Psalm 511, the psalmist said, but let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them over ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. I've got to tell you that a joyless Christian is a slander against Jesus Christ. You know, Billy Sunday wisely and rightly said, if you have no joy in your heart, there is a leak in your Christianity. So do you know why Jesus said all that he said? Do you know why Jesus taught all that he taught? Jesus said in John 15, 11, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. You see, when you get Jesus, you get joy. Joy inexpressible and full of glory. And the Apostle Peter speaks of this joy in the first chapter of his first epistle. He tells us, that we can find joy in at least five places. That's your outline. If we know the Lord Jesus Christ. So first, in your outline, consider that there is joy in salvation. First Peter 1, verse 2, Peter calls us the elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. That is, we have been chosen to be a part of the family of God. Furthermore, he says in verses 8 and 9, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. There is no greater joy than the joy of being saved and knowing that you are saved and knowing what you have because you have been saved. You know, we have not been saved to endure. We've been given salvation to enjoy. Isaiah said in Isaiah 12, 3, Therefore with joy you shall draw from the wells of salvation. You know, there are two words in the Bible that are first cousins, joy and grace. The Greek word for joy is chara. The Greek word for grace is charis. Both words come from the same root, for the grace of God always produces the joy of God. Grace is the root of salvation. Joy is the fruit of salvation. You know, the great composer Haydn was asked on one occasion, before I say that, I was driving this morning, I shared it with the first service. I'm driving this morning, kind of thinking about my sermon, and all of a sudden I was listening to the classical station, because I don't have to follow with the words. 
And they revealed to me how the composer's name was pronounced. And here I was going to teach and preach on something that I was going to mispronounce. And then they told me why this was true. And I listened to one of his other pieces. I thought the Lord was confirming me to go ahead with this. This is great stuff. So on one occasion, they asked him why his sacred compositions had such a ring, such a glad ring to them. And he said, I cannot compose anything without it. For I translate into music the state of my very heart. When I think of the grace of God in Jesus Christ, my heart is so full of joy that the notes fairly dance and leap from my pen. Have you ever stopped to think of what is true of you if you are saved? Have you ever thought about the benefits package that comes with salvation? I jotted down just a few. And it is certainly not an exhaustive list, but I want you to think about these. Because of salvation, all of your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. 1 John 1.7 You are a child in the family of God. God. King, the awesome presence of the universe. John 1.12 you are guaranteed a home in heaven, 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4. And God is always with you in the person of the Holy Spirit, John fourteen sixteen. You have received eternal life. We throw this term eternal in a way that you think it means forever, never-ending. Well, the pagans are going to live forever as well. That's not what it means. Eternal describes the source, not the length. Receiving eternal life is the source from the Father. That's the kind of life we're going to receive. Of course, that source will be forever as well. That is John 6.47. And God works everything out for your good. Romans 8.28, this one I need. God will hear and answer your prayers, 1 John 5.14. And you will spend an eternity with Jesus and with his people, John 14.2 and 3. Well, this list is hardly exhaustive, but it ought to set the joy bells ringing in your heart to listen to these. Secondly, Rodline consider that there is joy in sanctification. You know, after the event of salvation comes the process of sanctification. For Peter goes on to say in verse 2 that not only are we the elect, but we are also in sanctification of the Spirit. That is, there is not only joy in being saved, but there is joy in living like it. Now, I want to teach you something about salvation and how it is related to sanctification. There is no one and nothing that can rob you of your salvation. Peter said in verse 4 that we have an inheritance, incorruptible and undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. But there is someone 
And there is something that can rob you of the joy of your salvation. That someone is you. And that something is sin. Sorrow cannot rob you of your joy. Sickness cannot rob you of your joy. Suffering cannot rob you of your joy. But the one thing that can rob you of your joy is sin. And the only kind of sin that can rob you of your joy is your sin. You know, after David had confessed his sin with Bathsheba and he asked God for forgiveness, he said in Psalm 51.12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. You see, sorrow follows sin just as surely as night follows day. If you are bound to sin, you are bound to suffer. I want you to mark this down and listen. The very first thing that goes out the window of your heart, the moment you close the curtains on obeying God, is the joy of your salvation. Third in your odd line, consider that there is joy in service. You know, salvation and sanctification automatically leads to service. Peter still, verse 2, says, we're not only the elect, we're not only sanctified, but we have been sanctified for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you one of the major reasons many Christians have no joy in their life? It is because they are not doing anything for God. Charles Hayden Spurgeon once said, I cannot be happy unless I'm doing something for God. I want you also to keep in mind that this is also a sermon on fruit bearing. Galatians 5.22 in part says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. We're talking about a fruit of the Spirit, joy. And Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. A healthy tree is a fruit-bearing tree. And the only happy tree is a healthy tree. You know, a healthy tree is a tree that does what a tree ought to do, and that is bear fruit. And the same thing is true of a Christian. If you are healthy... You will bear fruit, the fruit of good works. You know, a psychologist at Stanford University tried to show that real joy only comes when we are productive in our lives or bearing fruit. This researcher hired a man, a logger. He said, I will pay you double what you get in the logging camp if you simply take the blunt end of this axe and just pound it all day long. You never have to cut a piece of wood. Just take the end that is blunt and hit it as hard as you can on this log, just as if you just as you would as you would if you were logging, and you'll get double the money that you're making. Well, the man worked for about a day and a half and he quit. The psychologist asked him, Why did you quit? The logger said, Because every time I move an axe. I have to see chips fly. If I don't see chips fly, it's no fun. I am convinced that there are many Christians who are taking the dull end of the racks, simply banging away on logs that are no heavenly good. They are producing no fruit, and because of that, they have no joy. 
Fourth, in your outline, consider that there is joy in suffering. Verses 6 to 7 state, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now I admit this is very hard to explain. It's very hard to understand that the light of God's joy shines even in the midst of the darkness of suffering. Read through the Bible and you will find that this was a common experience of every disciple. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 7.4, I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. James said in James 1.2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Listen, joy can swim in the stormy waves of suffering long after happiness has drowned. You see, joy cannot be taken from you by what happens to you. It can be taken from you by how you respond to what happens to you. Listen to this story. Dr. R.A. Torrey was one of the great Bible studies uh, teachers of the 20th century. He and Mrs. Torrey went through a time of great heartache. Their 12-year-old daughter was accidentally killed. And the funeral was held on a gloomy, miserable, rainy day. And they stood by the graveside and watched as the body of their precious little girl was lowered into the ground. And as they turned away, Mrs. Torrey said, I am so glad that Elizabeth is with the Lord and not in that box. But even knowing this was true, their hearts were broken. Dr. Torrey said that the next day he just went out walking by himself. The grief was just so overwhelming. He said as he was walking down the street, his heart broke apart all over again as he thought of the loneliness of the years ahead without the presence of his beautiful, precious daughter, about the heartbreak of an empty house, and of all the painful memories that they had had. He was so burdened by this that he looked into the heavens and he asked God to help him. Then he said, Just at that moment, this fountain, the Holy Spirit that I had in my heart, broke forth with such power as I think I had never experienced before. And it was the most joyful moment I had ever known in my life. And then he continued to say, Oh, how wonderful is the joy of the Holy Spirit. It is an unspeakable, glorious thing to have joy, not in things about you, not even in your most dearly loved ones but to have within you a fountain ever springing up, springing up, springing up, always springing up, 365 days a year, springing up under all circumstances unto everlasting life. Listen, this world can take many things away from you. It can take not only your most precious possessions, it can also take your most dearest relationships. 
But there is one possession it cannot take from you, and that is eternal life. And there is one relationship it cannot take away from you, and that is your relationship to Jesus Christ. Lastly, in your outline, consider that there is joy in surrender. Peter goes on to say in verses 15 to 16, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. There is no greater joy than that of being fully, totally, and completely surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You know, one of the most joyful Christians, by all accounts, that has ever lived was the founder of the Salvation Army, William Booth. Someone once said to him, Dr. Booth, would you please tell us what is the secret of your great joy? And William Booth says, it's very simple. I never say no to the Lord. If you were to take a fish and place that fish on the beach, you would watch his gills gasp and his scales begin to dry up. Now, is that fish full of joy? Absolutely not. How would you give joy to that fish. If you covered him with a mountain of cash, would that make him joyful? No. If you got him a beach chair, some sunglasses, and a Coca-Cola, would that fill him with joy? No. What if you bought him a brand new wardrobe of double-breasted fins and people's skin shoes? Would that fill him full of joy? No. Do you know how to fill that fish full of joy? Just put him back in the water. Do you know why that fish can never have joy on that beach? Because he wasn't made for the beach. He was made for the ocean. So I want to tell you, you cannot have joy on this earth unless you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because... You were made to know him, and you were made to love him. So when you give your life to Jesus, Jesus will give you everlasting joy in your life. If you have an opportunity to visit England, be sure to visit Buckingham Palace. If you then wish to know if the queen is in, just look at the flagpole on top of the palace. When the queen is on the throne, the flag of England will be flying. And likewise, the flag of joy will be flying above the palace of your heart when King Jesus is on the throne. Amen? The service is over. I promise a simple, short sermon with thoughts from the Lord to ponder. So this week, go ponder. And this morning, I do want to End this with a prayer for you and your hearts. Bow, with, bow your hearts with me. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his shine, face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.